Umphacash looked through the window to determine where they had stopped. Rough shacks stood beyond the railroad fence, alongside a ditch running with raw sewage. Children were playing a game with sticks and stones. An excited puppy danced around them, trying to join in. Nearby, a shirtless man was milking a cow. They could have been anywhere. The acrid smell of a dung fire drifted towards the train. Just ahead, a crowd had gathered near the level crossing. A few men jumped off the train and began walking down the tracks. Hope we reach in time, said Omprakash. If someone gets there before us, we're finished for sure. Manek Kola asked if they had far to go. Ishva named the station. Oh, that's the same one I want, said Manek, fingering his sparse moustache. Hoping to spot a watch dial, Ishvar looked up into a thicket of wrists growing ceilingward. Time, please? He asked someone over his shoulder. The man shot his cuff stylishly and revealed his watch. A quarter to nine. Come on, ya, move! said Omprakash, slapping the seat between his thighs. Not as obedient as the bullocks in our village, is it? said his uncle, and Manek laughed. Ishvar added it was true. Ever since he was a child, their village had never lost a bullock cart race when there were competitions on festival days. Give the train a dose of opium and it will run like the bullocks, said Omprakash. A comb seller twanging the plastic teeth of a large comb pushed his way through the crowded compartment. People grumbled and snarled at him, resenting the bothersome presence. Oi, said Omprakash to get his attention. Plastic hair band, unbreakable plastic hair clip, flower shape, butterfly shape, colorful comb, unbreakable. The comb seller recited in a half-hearted monotone, uncertain whether this was a real customer or just a joker passing the time. Big comb and small comb, pink, orange, maroon, green, blue, yellow comb, unbreakable. Amprakash gave them a test run through his hair before selecting a red specimen, pocket-sized. He dug into his trousers and extracted a coin. The comb-seller suffered hostile elbows and shoulders while searching for change. He used his shirt-sleeves to wipe hair-oil off the rejected combs, then returned them to his satchel, keeping in his hand the big jewel-toothed one to resume his soft twanging through the compartment. "'What happened to the yellow comb you had?' asked Ishvar. "'Broke in two. How? It was in my back pocket. I sat on it.' That's the wrong place for a comb. It's meant for your head, Om, not your bottom. He always called his nephew Om, using Omprakash only when he was upset with him. If it was your bottom, the comb would have smashed into a hundred pieces, returned his nephew, and Ishvar laughed. His disfigured left cheek was no hindrance, standing firm like a mooring around which his smiles could safely ripple. He chucked Omprakash under the chin. Most of the time their ages, forty-six and seventeen, were a misleading indicator of their actual relationship. Smile, Om. Your angry mouth does not suit your hero hairstyle. He winked at Manek to include him in the fun. With a puff like that, lots of girls will be after you. But don't worry, Om. I'll select a nice wife for you. A woman big and strong with flesh enough for two. Omprakash grinned and administered a flourish to his hair with a new comb. The train still showed no sign of moving. 
The men who had wandered outside came back with news that yet another body had been found by the tracks, near the level crossing. Manek edged towards the door to listen. A nice, quick way to go, he thought, as long as the train had struck the person squarely. Maybe it has to do with the emergency, said someone. What emergency? Prime Minister made a speech on the radio early this morning, something about country being threatened from inside. Sounds like one more government tamasha. Why does everybody have to choose the railway tracks only for dying? Grumbled another. No consideration for people like us. Murder, suicide, Naxalite terrorist killing, police custody death. Everything ends up delaying the trains. What is wrong with poison or tall buildings or knives? The long-anticipated rumble at last rippled through the compartments, and the train shivered down its long steel spine. Relief lit the passengers' faces. As the compartments trundled past the level crossing, everyone craned to see the cause of their delay. Three uniformed policemen stood by the hastily covered corpse awaiting its journey to the morgue. Some passengers touched their foreheads or put their hands together and murmured, Ram, Ram. Manek Kola descended behind the uncle and nephew, and they exited the platform together. Excuse me, he said, taking a letter from his pocket. I am new in the city. Can you tell me how to get to this address? You are asking the wrong people, said Ishvar without reading it. We are also new here. But Amprakash glanced at the letter and said, Look, it's the same name. Ishvar pulled a square of ragged paper out of his own pocket and compared it. His nephew was right. There it was. Dina Dalal, followed by the address. Amprakash regarded Manek with sudden hostility. Why are you going to Dina Dalal? Are you a tailor? Me? Tailor? No. She is my mother's friend. Ishvar tapped his nephew's shoulder. See, simply you were panicking. Come on, let's find the building. Manek did not understand what they meant till Ishvar explained outside the station. You see, Om and I are tailors. Dina Dalal has worked for two tailors. We are going to apply. And you thought I was running there to steal your job? Manek smiled. Don't worry, I am just a student. Dina Dalal and my mother used to be in school together. She's letting me stay with her for a few months, that's all. They asked a panwala for directions and walked down the street that was pointed out. Omprakash was still a little suspicious. If you are staying with her for a few months, where is your trunk, your belongings? Only two books you have? Today I'm just going to meet her. I will shift my things from the college hostel next month. They passed a beggar slumped upon a small wooden platform fitted with casters, which raised him four inches off the ground. His fingers and thumbs were missing, and his legs were amputated almost to the buttocks. Oh, babo, ek paisa de, he sang, shaking a tin can between his bandaged palms. Oh, babo, hi, babo, adai, babo, ek paisa de, That's one of the worst I've seen since coming to the city, said Ishvar, and the others agreed. Amprakash paused to drop a coin in the tin. They crossed the road, asking again for directions. I've been living in this city for two months, said Manek, but it's so huge and confusing. I can recognize only some big streets. The little lanes all look the same. 
We have been here six months and still have the same problem. In the beginning, we were completely lost. The first time, we couldn't even get on a train. Two or three went by before we learned how to push. Manek said he hated it here and could not wait to return to his home in the mountains next year when he finished college. We have also come for a short time only, said Ishva, to earn some money, then go back to our village. What is the use of such a big city? Noise and crowds, no place to live, water, scarce, garbage everywhere. Terrible. Our village is far from here, said Amprakash. Takes a whole day by train, morning till night, to reach it. And reach it we will, said Ishva. Nothing is as fine as one's native place. My home is in the north, said Manek. Takes a day and night, plus another day to get there. From the window of our house, you can see snow-covered mountain peaks. A river runs near our village, said Ishva. You can see it shining and hear it sing. It's a beautiful place. They walked quietly for a while, occupied with home thoughts. Amprakash broke the silence by pointing out a watermelon sherbet stand. Wouldn't that be nice on such a hot day? The vendor stirred his ladle in the tub, tinkling chunks of ice afloat in a sea of dark red. Let's have some, said Manek. It looks delicious. Not for us, said Ishva quickly. We had a big breakfast this morning, and Amprakash erased the longing from his face. Okay, said Manek doubtfully, ordering one large glass. He studied the tailors who stood with eyes averted, not looking at the tempting tub or his frosted glass. He saw their tired faces, how poor their clothes were, the worn-out chapals. He drank half and said, I'm full, you want?